And here we go, folks. Welcome back to Inside Middle Tennessee, the show that operates in a weather pattern that can't make up its mind what it wants to be. It's true. You know. Have, uh, can y'all imagine an 85-degree day in February? When I got up yesterday and went outside, I thought, this is the way it feels in Orlando when we go down there in November. Yeah. That's the way it is. Just that kind of refresh. I thought, oh, just leave it on. Well, all the flowers have bloomed. I don't think anything's going to be left for March. No, and these poor Bradford pears who insist on blooming at the first streak of sunshine, they will be toasted in a few days. Because they, they never get a chance to fully bloom because our weather is so erratic. And they get bit. Yeah, and then they look ugly. <laughs> I tried to explain to Ellie Grace about the short-lived Bradford pears. And she's so, she just loves nature, and she just can't understand about about why we would cut them down. I said, when we built our house, they were very stylish. And oh, yeah. we, we put out several, and what the wind didn't get, we've had cut down. Oh, so they all split. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we've got one left down there by the barn, and it's got to come down this year. We've left it as long as it can, and it's got just a split down it where you i think they grow so fast that they don't have any stability well typically a tree that grows fast has soft wood yeah and besides that a bradford pear is one of those rare plants it can't make its mind up as to whether or not it wants to be a shrub or it wants to be a tree yeah yeah. it it doesn't know and so it's caught in in between and that's not a good place to get caught in between no no but the ones on the highway are always pretty and, I, and they've lasted longer than anybody thought they would. Well, one of the reasons that they have is that they prune them. If you've yeah. got one, you've got, got a, to prune. You've yeah. got to prune if you want them to last very long because yeah. they will split. Yeah, they're just, mm-hmm. just not long for, long-lived. That's the word, long-lived. And, um, so anyway, you know, we were in here, and, and by the way, folks, I'm, I'm Jim Ross. We've got Terry Wilcox on the board. Mm-hmm. We've got Sheila Hickman here with us. Thank goodness. We're glad, always glad <laughs> to have her. The rest of the crew is across the street at the Breakfast Rotary doing eggs and issues. You couldn't throw a rock without hitting a politician. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of people that like to throw oh, yeah. uh, uh, rotten food and hit a, hit a, hit a politician. Don't tempt us. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, they could do that for a fundraiser. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. We don't need the Dunkin' Booth. No, just, just, just hand people a uh, hand people a, a homegrown mater. That's right. There we a go. little squishy one. That'll be <laughs> yeah. it. One that's been in the heat for yeah, a little while. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. And just and just let them fling it down there. Well, Eddie, Eddie and Ellie Grace go. You know, Ellie Grace goes to Rotary, and they've already been this morning. And Ellie Grace, she just loves people. So she was. How quite, is she now? She's eight and a half. Okay. So she was in her element, and she sat right up at the front. So she, she will be in the midst of whatever's going on. She'll be like her mama. She'll know whatever's going on because she'll be there to see about it. She's not bashful, is she? Not much, but every now and then when I want her to say something, she has a shy spell. But most no, of the time, she's, she's a, a pretty well-spoken, and she's very comfortable with people, and I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Sheila, we were in here talking before the show started, and I always love to kind of go back in the days of history of of Columbia and the way things kind of used to be. Not that they need to stay that way, but 
but you had mentioned the Elks Club, and I just, and I, I had you just, when something is gone for a long time, you don't you just kind of out of sight, out of mind. You don't remember. Did no. you ever know uh, Terry that it was where it was downtown? No, you, no. you weren't here at the time. No, I got here in '89. So, <laughs> well, it was it was not that. We're talking I, about the Elks Club, yeah, folks, that kind of and where burnt it was. orange colored building down there on the corner of, of West Seventh and, and Garden and Garden, and the um, the I don't know the history of it, but I do know a little bit about it. That it was a great place for men together, and I have read that some men were members of that because that was a good place to go in the morning because they had heated bathrooms and showers. Yeah. <laughs> so you think about, I, I will get a date for that, but it goes considerably back. And and I told Jim, I can remember when I was probably in Whitthorn, I, they had a party room upstairs that you could rent, and we had these little teenage dance silly yeah. things that yeah. teenagers have or uh, Whithorn it was a Whithorn I'm pretty sure and and this big there's a big room upstairs and now that's from back when Whithorn was where the board of education oh, yeah. is now yeah. and it used to be the old Columbia Central High School yeah, yeah. behind the post office folks. yes yes so. well that was all, that was all the the Anthonyum property butted up to the Institute property and so the Institute was where uh, the post office and all that is. That was the yeah. Institute. And then there was a confusion. And Smith, who was a big wheel at the, at the uh, Institute, had a falling out with them. And he got over the fence and built the Anthonyum. So they were competing at one time. And the Anthonyum property went to this marker. There's a big stone pillar right down here. Mm -hmm. That was the corner of the Anthonyum property. Where is it where the Episcopalian Church is now? Yeah, or? across the street there. Okay. You know, they, look, when you go out, there's a kind of a homemade pillar yeah. there, mm -hmm. limestone. Yeah. That was the corner of the Anthonyum property. And it went back, I don't know how to measure it off. It went back probably not quite past... Maybe past the King's Daughters Hospital property, about about right in there. Yeah. And they, uh, and you know the the institute and the uh, and and the Anthonyum were both tied to the Episcopalian Church. Yeah, I knew that. And and they both had uh, religious overtones, but the the difference, the main difference, I think, between the two was that Reverend Smith at the institute thought that. Girls were as smart as boys. Mm -hmm. And so he taught girls. And so he proved it. Yeah, he did. He taught girls all kinds of uh, things that we would hardly imagine being taught these days. He taught, about, he, had, he taught them a classical education. He did. Like, you know, Latin and Greek and, and mathematics. And, and then they did botany and they did um, things about nature. They did all sorts of things. He was very progressive for his day. Do we... Well, I'm thinking about the Athenaeum fire, and I remember the late Bob Duncan had written several things. Oh, about the Institute. About, was the Institute? The that, Institute When, when it fire. burned? Yeah. Do we know what caused that fire? I have always heard, and you remember, I've, been, I've always heard that they stored flammable things in there, and some of them flamed. Yeah, those spontaneous combustion? Mm-hmm. 
That's what I've heard. Now I have no idea if that's reliable. No. But if we could if we could have held on to the Institute and the Bethel Hotel, there's no town in the South that could compete with us. Yeah. If we, there there wouldn't be any anywhere that could compete with us. Yeah. And it's interesting that both of those structures were lost to fire. Yeah, but that was also pretty common too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean it was it was you know, I mean, remember if you go back way back, yeah. arson. If you did arson, it was a capital offense. Yeah, yeah. Meaning that, <clears throat> I mean, you know, you're you're taking down somebody's livelihood. Oh yes. You know, the other thing that people don't think about nowadays. Back then, though, those old homes, they had their kitchens were built away from the yes. house for fire protection. Yeah, just for fire protection. Yeah, it's like the Polk House next door. Yeah. They've got the section back. Yeah, they've got there. the kitchen. Yeah. That's, what that, that's what it was, yeah. When, when Thomas Jefferson built Monticello, you know, he was way ahead of the architectural curve. His kitchen is on a lower floor. It's like in a, a basement. That, that house is kind of U-shaped. The main feature where the rotunda is goes goes this way then two wings parallel and go back and his kitchen was under one of those wings why so that they could be away from the house under the porch there it's all you can walk around down there and then he was smart enough that he would they would not have to bring his food upstairs he had a dumb waiter installed in the hot in the fireplace in the mantel in the dining room, and they could send the food up and down on the dumbwaiter. Now, Sarah has joined us. Now, Sarah, we're talking about Monticello. Oh, one of my favorite places on earth. And also, y'all it's swing some microphones oh, around. Oh, that is one of my favorite places. I, I, yeah, I we're, we're talking about how you had to have kitchens that had to be built away from. Yes, for uh, fire hazards. Yeah. At all, and, and, it, and Delk has joined us, and now Delk is renovating this house, this old house that he's in. We're already speculating, Delk, that when this house was built originally, do you have any idea where the bathroom was? Because there's only one. There's only one restroom in here. There's no shower, no no, no tub, tub no, no no. Or was it done before there was indoor plumbing? I, it was around the turn of the last century that this house was built. I don't. Do you know the answer is I don't know, Jim. Well, I, I want it, you to know that we've got two researchers I'm right here. Right. It's okay. listed on the National Register of Historic Places in the West End Historic District. Well, we're going to sick these two <laughs> on it, okay? And we're going to get some answers to all this because inquiring minds want to know. I've well, always you know, wondered. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh no, that's fine. I'm talking over you. I apologize. No, no. Uh, I've always wondered. Coming in this building, I've been in this building a lot of times throughout my life, and just walking in, what it looked like, like the parlors and the oh, yeah. yeah, the bedrooms, yeah, the stately and the house. House. There's no and the, doubt. There's mm-hmm. the beautiful stained glass window at the you know at the little yeah. stairwell. So yeah, they took it out of somebody's church. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. well, obviously the the front portion is the original house. It's a typical I call it Victorian era yeah. uh, house. Uh, the rear part is an add-on. Obviously, the, uh, the old main house is up front. You know what? What I find interesting is still down in the basement are the old boilers. You know, for the yeah. steam or hot water heat, the radiators. You know, you used to have. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, where uh, you know, the, it's in the city of Columbia. Uh, I think Columbia City had electricity, and uh, 
and public water back in. in yes, we had had very early. Right. I'll it, tell you what they had too, though, Dell. Powered by the old Columbia Dam. Well, they also the one that's still there on yeah. Riverside Drive. Uh, is, is there is there remnants of an old coal chute in this house around yeah. the base? Yes, there is. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and again, people, uh, there's probably two generations that don't understand Mm-mm. that most houses. Before there was gas and electricity, they were heated by coal. Oh, yeah. well, our house in Riverside has a coal chute. It's long since been dismantled, but when I was a little girl and Grandma Lois and Grandpa Bert lived there, uh, we we stoked the fire. And I can remember Grandpa Bert going down there and, and adjusting the the draft or whatever he had to do. And there was a neighbor on, the, on Fifth Avenue who was an engineer, and he would look out the window and see if if Grandpa Bert's coal was burning efficiently, and if Grandpa Bert was not doing it right, he would call him up and tell him to do adjust the damper. Go adjust the damper. <laughs> well, the, those the coal powered those uh, uh, boiler units, and it, it's it, it's still down here in the basement. It's disconnected, whatnot. Some of the old piping's still there, but you had two those radiators that. Most people remember, although we they, had them at school. Yeah, they may be fading from memory. Uh, were either one of two types: they had hot water circulating in them, or they had steam. Yeah. Uh, and boy, that heat was—we had that at MacDale School, and that—I <laughs> uh, mean, you talk about heat—heat heat that's right, heat that gets you warm. I mean, <laughs> and not only did, that, that duck when they were warming up, you ever remember how they all the uh, radiators would would bang? Yes. Oh, yeah. And now, hiss and, and make noises, and, yeah. And I don't know whether that was the, the hot water type or the steam type or whether they both did it. I don't know. That's what we had in Highland Park, too. We had, But I can remember them hissing. Yeah. But, again, they would bang. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was just it was just <laughs> strange. And there's, some, there's some really high-pressure pipes uh, down in the basement. They're out of use, of course, that are in and around the old. <laughs> They're cut off, we hope. Yeah, yeah, we hope. <laughs> Uh, but you know that you can tell those pipes were built for pressure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Probably cast iron would would, would be my guess. I'm not sure about that, Jim. I don't I, I don't think they are. But and I, you know I'm a lawyer. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're not a mechanical engineer. Why not? <laughs> Just add that to your resume. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you you can be you can be that way. Sure. But anyway, like I said, Bob Duncan used to love to talk about uh, the the Athenaeum. Uh, oh, uh, yes. In uh, a big time. And again, we were speculating, Sarah, before you got here, what caused the fire. Oh, the Institute fire. Yeah. Ellie was torched. It was well, arson. That, 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 I th- I've, always heard, was, I've always heard that they stored flammable things there. Spontaneous and they, combustion. And they flamed. <laughs> yeah. It was the, I've always heard that. Now, that may be completely it wrong. Was, it was the people who wanted to tear Run. it down and put that ugly damn mall up there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was at Whitthorn. I was at Old Whitthorn when they built that. And you just hadn't lived till you've gone to school next to a construction site. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bang, crash, roar, all that. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, I tell you what. Right, we've got that lovely downtown strip center. Yep. <laughs> yep. We've gone up against our first break, and I tell you what, we're going to take it, and we'll be right back with Inside Middle Tennessee. One of 
our objectives at Caledonian Financial is to impact our clients and friends in a positive manner. Whether it's a friendly voice, a smile and a wave as you walk past our office, or supporting our community, the Caledonian team is actively involved through our memberships in Kiwanis, Rotary, Murray Alliance Circle of Excellence, volunteering in Boy Scouts and 4-H, serving on a variety of boards and more. We stay connected to Murray County. This is Daisy Cook with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jumpin' Joe Wiley, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Hello, this is Rick Tillis with Tillis Jewelry in Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. What are you looking for in a jeweler? Knowledgeable staff? Experienced goldsmiths? Or true custom designers? Experienced working with clients creating that perfect gift for a special loved one? Well, you have found them. Tillis Jewelry. Wear this and so much more. Check us out at TillisJewelry.com or on Facebook and Instagram to see our latest creations. Tillis Jewelry, Columbia and Lewisburg, Tennessee. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Sarah Elizabeth, and you're listening to Inside Middle Tennessee on Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM. And we're back with Inside Middle Tennessee. 
We're back. We're back. We're back. You know, we were talking about the Elks Club earlier on. Do you all remember when the Elks Club moved to its present Uh, location? Right mid-80s, I think. Was that, was that about it? Yeah. Well, the elk was still downtown when I was little. Yeah, yeah mid-80s. That mid-80s. About right. uh, mid-80s, yeah. And, you know, when we were researching Pop Jeers, y'all may or may not know this, Mom and I opened a trade publication in New York, the Harness Review. We opened it, and there was a picture of all these gentlemen in front of the Elks Lodge in Columbia. Mm-hmm. In the that were archives planning, in New York. That were planning Pop Jeers Park. And I said, look. There's the Elks Lodge. Well, Sheila oh, and I and, and Del can remember this. The, the Elks Club downtown was a pretty big deal at, at yeah. one one time. Well, well the, the Elks Lodge is still very active here in the yes, yeah. Yeah. county. Yes. They, there were two clubs though downtown, and you know, Jim, you and I were young and getting married and having children and all that kind of thing. But uh, there were two magnificent. I'm, I'm talking about the facilities themselves magnificent old clubs in downtown Columbia, one being the Elks Club and the other being the Oddfellas Lodge over on yeah. South Main Street. Yeah. And you we're talking, you know, go you know, leather chairs, you know, library books, uh, you know, uh, of course they all had uh food and drink because they were clubs, they could legally serve liquor by the drink. Uh but just magnificent, you know, hardwood floors and I mean, it's like what you see uh, in the movie. Yeah, brass. <laughs> oh, I mean, just magnificent old clubs, and they were dying on the vine. All their membership was dying off, and they, uh, the Elks Club survived. Oddfellas did not. But you know, I, one of the things that was one of the projects in my life that I never got to was trying to get together a whole bunch of us young people in the '80s and join either Elks or Oddfellas and perpetuate and have a club in those magnificent old facilities. But well, sadly, we lost them both. Uh, the odd fellas, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is that building still around? Is, yeah. And, what, and what's in it? Uh, this one, I think, uh, Tim Tischer's in. Maybe the public defender's still there. The public defender was there on the top floor. They've moved down they across moved. from Fuzzy Duck. But, um, yeah, it's, it's offices. Yeah. All it's right, so it's, and it's directly across the street from Ted's, Ted's right? Yeah, right. and you can see it. It, it says Oddfellas. Yeah, it has the initials of the Oddfellas. Oh, it was, you know, you got up to that second floor, and, you know, the book-lined walls and the leather chairs and the rugs. And, I mean, it was just it's all ornate. And, huh? and the bar. Wait, 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 it was magnificent. Well, and and also the Masonic Lodge was downtown. So on the corner where Baxter's Mercantile used Boy, to be. Well, they used to be a real big deal. And that there was a third floor on that building. And that third floor burned, and they kept the second and the first floor. So hmm. it, it would have been as tall. That corner building where Baxter's was that's vacant now across from Southern Exposure would have been as tall as... The, the Wildridge building. The buildings across the street. Yeah. I had no clue. when and I, they, they say that whoever buys that building or whoever owns that building still owns that airspace up there. Air up rights. There. Air rights. Yeah. Um, air and, rights. And, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, but, we'll, we'll consult our local attorney. It. Yes, our local attorney here. <clears throat> I'm going to buy this building. It has... Three has two stores and the possibility of my adding a third one. Will that pass the zoning commission? <laughs> but that's when, like, the building that the car ran in several. Oh, yeah. Uh, McClellan's. McClellan, building. That McClellan's yeah. building was rebuilt after the fire. And then where, um, where the bath 
soap. The soap buff, place. Buff, buff soap. Buff City Soap is. It actually had like a bay window on the second floor. Wow. Um, and, oh, <laughs> Tony Sal just texted me what and he said say? his grandfather died at the Odd Fellas Hall. I bet that's a story, <laughs> Tony Sal. Um, but, Tony, come down here and tell us how you got him out of there. That's what I want to know. Um, but those, you know, that, was one, one of those fine leather chairs with a, <laughs> a, a, a nice drink in his hand and uh, a, cigar. a cigar, he died happy. Yeah. What a way to go. Um, but that this the square has a lot of stories a lot of fires um a lot of everything the building that tillis is in is probably one of the oldest buildings on the square um and it was actually a house to begin pa- with patrick mac patrick mcguire patrick mcguire's house okay so. so that house is on the side over there uh, i mean that building is in between southern trade and the courthouse is yes. where the yeah. yes. and it has a right. has a roof line it does have a roof line if you look at it look up and it, there's a roof line i'm like everybody else i'll never look up no but no was- google earth is good for for that but um i did some research because part of my job is to help with federal tax credits if you have a commercial building um so i did a lot of research on some of the buildings downtown here in the recent past, so that's why I know a little bit more than I normally do about a building. So anything within the, in the Jill Garrett Bob Duncan archives. All, yes, all, yes. When when that. I am tasked to look something up about Murray County, first place you go is <laughs> Jill Garrett Bob Duncan, Maurice Lightfoot, um, Virginia Alexander. I just I go yeah. to the go tos. Yeah. Um, genealogy. Uh, Neil Neil Fitzgerald did a lot of our family genealogy for us and. Um, that is sort of my, those are the people. And I was very blessed to be around all those people growing up. Yeah. No, um, no, you, you knew some folks. I that. knew some folks and I got to spend, um, a lot of time with Bob Duncan because his sons and I were friends growing up. Yeah. And that was one of my favorite, if mom and daddy knew I was at Bob and Dorothy's house, I may be late getting home because Bob and I would be in some big discussion <laughs> or something about Murray County history. So, um, but I learned a lot from being around them. I wasn't around Jill that much. I was around Maurice. Yeah, a good Maurice taught with us. Um, and you know, we're and they we're very blessed that they kept the history going. And, you know, Frank Smith. Amazing, amazing people. Who yes, they yes. were. We won't um, see their likes again. No. And we were very blessed to have people, historians in our early history. Yeah, um, like Franklin Smith. Like Franklin Smith that documented our history and everything. No, the greatest thing that ever happened to Murray County was whoever it was took our... Uh, records out of the bottom of the courthouse and hit them yes from the during the war during the war during civil war from the union and we're one of the very few counties in the state that have our documents from the very beginning oh yeah that's what i mean present so and the archives is getting uh building on to the archives i don't know if y'all know that or not um i was with tom price earlier this week at a meeting and they're extending um, the archives to have more space, more storage, more ways to be able to conserve um, documents and and all that um, here cool. in the near future. So um, yeah, that's cool. That yeah. is cool because um, in two thousand and um, <laughs> two thousand and one, when they opened the archives, I was a senior in high school, 
and I covered that for Pride Television, um, the TV station at Central High School. Mm -hmm. I was the reporter uh, that covered that. I walked the full length of the human chain, and I I did that, and um, I actually got to intern there. And the documents and and everything that they have at the archives, they, they don't just have documents. They have textiles and fabrics and yeah. objects and, and things like flags. that. Flags yeah. and uh, cannonballs and, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and and that building it's in, and, and, it, and that building's storied as it's The old jail. The oh, old yeah. jail. That's, that's a solid building <laughs> for stuff like that. But... Um, it, it's it's really cool when I got to do my internship there, just to sit there and say I'm in my hometown <laughs> doing my internship. So. Got a question? Another question about a building. Go out Nashville Highway, cross over the Duck River Bridge. On your left, there's a building that's now occupied by Muscle Men Movers. Oh, Mama knows about that building. <laughs> and and there's a plaque up at the top of it. And it's some organization. It was the union. It was the yeah. That's the only union. That hall. was the only union hall I've ever known. Right, which about. union? There's only ten million unions. Well, no, well, the the, elect- car- the carbon plant union. That's where my elect- daddy worked. They, electricians? And the electricians, the electrical yeah. union, may have used it. But I could, <clears throat> I can remember very well my daddy going to meetings there. Okay. Yeah. I think it was the electricians' union. Well, it, I, the one, I That's guess... That's another building, Sarah. Get on it. Hurry up. <clears throat> but it was a nice, Research. It was one of those nice red brick buildings that they yeah. painted white. Right. Which would I probably d- go out of style soon. I discourage painting historic brick. I have I get on my soapbox about that sometimes. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> get your pressure washer. That's right. Clean it up. No, you know, you need to... J- Secretary of Interior Standards say oh, that you go. gently clean the brick and the mortar. Power washing is detrimental to the mortar. Oh, yeah. It'll blow the mortar <laughs> out. Because <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, a, I, I manage a lot of facade grants that are in the district I cover in the 13 counties. And I love getting quotes that say pressure washing a brick building. And I call the peop, the building owner and say, you can't pressure wash. What do you mean I can't pressure wash? It's dirty. I said there's a gentler way to do it. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've kind of faced it. I've got to do some pressure washing it. on the steps. <laughs> i got to do some pressure washing on the steps of First Presbyterian Church. Oh, and, I love the pressure washing. Well, yeah, but that those the steps leading up are made out of slate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And being on the north side of the building, which doesn't necessarily get, get a lot of sunlight, yeah. they're almost black now. Yeah. And, and and I'm very, very aware that I have to be very careful about that mm-hmm. because the mortar um, that in between the, the slate yeah. pieces and all. But, it's I mean, it's black. It's as black as that chair you're sitting in. Yeah. It, you know. But well, the, go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> I was just going to say we are – our county is very blessed in the architectural styles we have, the builders that built the houses, just everything. Nathan Vault. Nathan Vault, the master builder. Um, we're very blessed with our our catalog of houses, more or less. You know, we have a lot of historic houses um, that are on the National Register, some that are not. But um, I think it's important to save those as much as you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't save nearly enough. When we had a Carol live with us as an exchange student when she, from Switzerland, when she, when Sarah Elizabeth was a senior, Carol lived with us, and she would say, "You know, 
I have friends who live in houses that are 400 years old. I said, well, that'll never happen here because we'll knock it down and build a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't it the truth. Or down the general. <laughs> We're getting a little better about that. Yes, we are. We I are. say, or, or a strip mall. Yeah, or, just anything. But, the, the, of course, we all know about Europe. But everything, what is old over there is sincerely old. It is really old in the true sense of the word. Ours is just sort of old. Oh, we're just children. Go yeah. to go to Boston. Oh yeah, yes. And walk down the Freedom Trail. You talk yeah. about old. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, you look at some of the uh, the buildings on the side and and it had plaques on oh, the yes. age of them. And it's, this yeah, sixteen hundreds or fifteen yeah. hundreds yes. or something. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, we forget that the whole generation of or two of folks had been here before the Revolution. Yeah, true. Well, and even if you go to Jamestown, the church at Jamestown. Yeah, you get to Jamestown and you realize how old that church building is. Wow. Yeah. That's like going to Savannah or Charleston. Oh, yeah. Going around around some of those places. It's just amazing. It is amazing. Because back then in the early days, I think the the main ports were were New York, Charleston, and New Orleans. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's that's about where everybody came, you know, everything kind of came in. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's where a great many of the people who came this way came into Charleston. And Some came from Virginia down, but I think a great many came across from up from Charleston up this way. Probably. Probably. So, I, I came from Michigan. T. Willie, have you, you never done you your genealogy? You're just, no, I have not. <laughs> you're nothing but a Canadian that, that sneaked across. No, you're you're an illegal migrant. <laughs> right. But he's been here so long, he's just considered one of yeah. us. Yeah. I've been here 33 years, so I 34 good. years. Oh, yeah. And, uh, 30. Well, look at you. I didn't, well, stall, I didn't stall long enough. I'll tell you what. <laughs> we got Scott with us, but i tell you what. Ooh, we're kind of up. like we're, a Philadelphia lawyer. We're <laughs> We're real close to a to a break, so tell you what, folks, let's take a break, and then we'll be back for the final segment of Inside Middle Tennessee. I don't know about you, but I just love doing business with small businesses. You feel appreciated when you walk in, and they know your name. At Caledonian Financial, we try very hard to appreciate our clients. We value everyone, and we reject the idea that you're not worthy of advice if you don't have a certain amount of money. We love our neighbors, all of them. This is Monty Sneed with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Here we go. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can count on us. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. 
For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back, but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled, but then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. You're listening to the best in news, talk, sports, and music on WKOM 101.7 FM in Columbia, Tennessee. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. And we're back with Inside Middle Tennessee. Tell you what, folks. Please silence uh, your phone. Yes. And I want to blame that on T. Willie. T. Willie is new to radio. <laughs> he hasn't been okay. doing this for very long. It's his first day. His first day. But I tell you what, folks. I'm going to, because this show stays. In Rookie. Fluid, yeah. this, this show stays in fluid motion. It is fluid. Very it, fluid. There's no telling who's going to come in and come out. So I'm going to reintroduce the players. I'm Jim Ross. I'm hosting it today. Got Terry Wilcox on the hey. board. Thank goodness. Who cannot control his telephone? I, Del, it's off. Del Kennedy has joined us, and we're glad to see Del. You need to come back more often. Good morning, Jim. Did all, Scott, Representative Scott Sapicki, who has already been on duty at morning. issues, and and the 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 big duo here, history of Sheila Hickman and Sarah Elizabeth Hickman McLeod. So we're all glad everybody's here with us. Scott, did you have fun this morning over there? Uh, actually, it, it is very fun. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a full, I, w- I will say, it was full. Yeah. It was packed. People are engaged. I mean, we are facing unprecedented challenges in Murray County with growth. Uh, the big bills we've talked about, the uh, the bill protecting our water source will be on the House, be on the house subcommittees this week. The bill, the scenic river bill, right? scenic river bill will be in the House committees this week. I'll be presenting that, and then the bill on the Taxpayer Pro- Protection Act uh, to bring parity between the counties and the cities to help them uh, answer some of the questions of of growth and funding and how that's <laughs> going to be done. That's in the House this this coming week too. So and this is a big week for Murray County. It is a big week, and Scott, that bill, the Property Tax uh, Protection Act, Protection Act, uh, is. And it is, in essence, an impact fee. It allows counties to charge growth for growth uh, to impose fees or taxes upon development and let growth pay for growth. Uh, it's just sort of a different mechanism, uh, but it, it gets the job done. 
Well, I'm sponsoring a bill that just brings parity between the counties and the cities. <laughs> whatever Good those, answer, Scott. Whatever those county commissioners choose to do with that ability and whatever those city council members choose to do with that ability is up to them. Gotcha. They will have the, they will have the authority based from the state where now we say, you know what, you guys govern yourselves financially. We don't have a dog in the hunt in this anymore. Right, and if you do something that the people don't like, don't come yelling at the general assembly. Go to your county commissioners or city councilmen. Okay, I get you. It's all right. <laughs> That's the bill I'm carrying. Good answer. Well, well, you know, really good answer. That is very I'm not carrying good. a bill that allows them to do anything. Now, my understanding, the Scenic River Act, we've already got one, but it extends from Iron Bridge Road to Marshall County. It this goes, is going to throw it all the way down to Hickman County, excluding. Right? So it goes from the industrial park, basically the industrial park bridge road the bridge mm-hmm. there's a mile marker there yeah and then it goes all the way west to the hickman county line where a mile marker is okay. um, and, and it's basically going to make it a a class two scenic waterway uh, which protects number one the most biodiverse river in the world right now go ask national geographic um, and very clean water and as we know clean water is very key to life uh, <laughs> you can live you can live 45 days without food Sometimes I may need to live about 20 without food, <laughs> uh, but uh, you can only live three days without water. And yeah. the people of East Palestine are experiencing that right now. Learning that yeah. real quick. Right? And so we, we have to make sure, because Columbia Power's long-term plan for viability and growth in, in Middle Tennessee, not Murray County, folks, but Southern Middle Tennessee, all the way down to the border of Alabama, is we got to have a new intake in, in the Williamsport-ish area. So, so we can pull water from that part of the Duck River to meet the needs of the growth. I mean, folks, we're going to continue to grow, mm-hmm. um, and we need more water supply, more fresh water supply, and so it'll, it makes sure that the water they'll be pulling out will be clean. So is this a state designation? Yes. Just a state Because there is a national designation. We, we, we don't care for that one. Well, yeah. I do environmental reviews on the grants yeah, I do yeah. with federal funds, and so and I'm very attuned to what, a, like a national scenic river is the Obed River mm-hmm. in Tennessee is a national scenic river, but mm-hmm. this is a local designation. Yeah, or so. a state state designation. So, so agriculture is still exempt from all kinds of interventions there. Uh, there are some exceptions in the bill and the language to allow for the water intakes for Columbia Power and our municipalities. Uh, because by federal and state law, any water they draw out is required to be at least or better than what they put what they, what, when they put it back in. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not going to – that doesn't hurt the waterway at all. It actually makes the water a little bit cleaner. Uh, some of the mussels don't like it because it's too clean for them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They get kind of aggravated. Well, they're filters. <laughs> the <laughs> mussels are the filters. So, they, are but, the, uh, they are the filters. Now, Scott, you said a, a portion to the west will, of the Duck River will be excluded. What portion is that? So the portion that basically sits from um, Iron Bridge Road Bridge to the Industrial Park Bridge will be exempt. It goes down, through the middle down, down of Columbia. Columbia. Yeah, yeah, because that's an industrial part, developed part. So you you can't have a scenic waterway running through the middle of a city because the problem you have is then you'd have absolutely no buildings, no growth, no sanitation, nothing. So you would basically have Columbia with this big two mile swath cut through the middle of it. Yeah, makes can't sense. Do it. Can't do yeah. it. Makes okay. sense. Well, but so. wouldn't it be neat to have kayaks go from Iron Bridge to to the so, dam in Riverside and then get out and go from like get out get we just go over the top of it no don't go over the dam <laughs> but you know and then get in 
at, at the bottom of the dam and float on yeah. to yeah. to industrial there park. Is a, there is a plan by Al Ray at the parks to create that greenway to where we can have kayakers and have a, a basically a paved trail that runs along the Duck River from Ironbridge all the way back down the industrial it, park. It would river. actually be a blue way. Blue way, sorry. <laughs> Whatever. La dee da. La dee da. So keywords in grant so, applications. But but yeah, to answer your question, it was uh, uh, you know this is my fifth one. Um, <laughs> I've been talking about education for five years. Yes. And I will continue to talk about education. We are getting close. I'm telling you, we're getting close because of the people we brought in and Miss Older Miss Hickman. More, <laughs> we'll, we'll appreciate this. Uh, we've we've heard from teachers, administrators, principals. We've heard from experts in education. We've heard from superintendents and commissioners from other states that are doing extremely well. And basically, here's what it comes down to, folks. Number one, go back the way we used to do it. Basics and fundamentals, especially in K through three. Basics and fundamentals. That's it. Uh, middle school, basics and fundamentals in math, reading, and science. That's it. Basics, right? And you got to have parental intervention. Parents have got to be involved in education in the schools. We have to we have to have our schools and our parents partnering together, not adversarially, but working together on not only their as a parent my child's education, but all the children in that classroom's education because they're all going to be citizens of our state, who are going to be looking for jobs and opportunities and maybe be a a radio engineer that turns his phone off during the show. <laughs> right? right. So, it's but off. it is imperative, and and you know I. And it got kind of quiet, but I kind of called the people out there today to say, how many of you have volunteered to be reading tutors in K through three? And there were two people's hands went up out of what, 200, 300? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's important. I, I I was a reading tutor when I was in high school mm-hmm. um, for a child that lived up the road from us. And I got him surpassed on his reading level. Because was that one-on-one. That one-on-one mm-hmm. time. And then we're so looking important. at also... Um, Education has become industrialized. It has. It's it's very clean and sanitized. You know, it's cookie cutter. There's no individuality in the classrooms anymore. There's no indi- individuality to the students. It's all regimented and structured, and this is what you're going to do, and blah blah blah. And so you've you've left no time and for full the, of requirements. Yeah, but but you've <laughs> left no time for the parent for the parents for the teachers to teach. Absolutely right. And so, if and what we're looking at is one of the problems with that is the size of the schools we build at the elementary level. They're so big. Yes, they, and it's intimidating to these little children, right? And so, what we're looking at is can we build two? Can we build one eight hundred to a thousand seat elementary school for the same price as building two smaller ones? that are more like community-based, right? Mm-hmm. That people have more identity with that elementary school. It's all about early, right? If you get early right, everything else takes care of itself. Yes. But if you don't get the kids early education right, K through three, we spend billions of dollars trying to catch them up, and, and they never get caught up. They just don't. I got the data to show you. Yeah, you know, Scott, it kind of reminds me, too, we've talked about this several times, about Murray County is one of the few places that still has unit schools. Mm-hmm. Do not think for one second that Hampshire and Santa Fe and Cullioca and those people are not deeply involved in oh, their school. Oh, yes. Go it's out, their life. Over the place. Go out there to lunch. I, I challenge you. Go out to Santa Fe, Hampshire, or Cullioca at lunchtime, and you'll see parents in there sitting with their kids, eat lunch with them. 
And, and it's the and, center of their community. Yes. And, and you mentioned today at the Eggs and Issues, Scott, about the PTA room or the PTO meetings being packed. I'm on the PTO at Baker Elementary School. There is seven of us parents that come to the meeting. Seven. Well, and that was a question I was going to ask your mama because she'd been around the block here for a while mm-hmm. with the educational system. Do you think, it's just a question, Sheila, do you think that the, the I say the strongest, the best schools that we've had in Murray County also, it's no coincidence, also have a strong PTA slash PTO organization? Yes. I, well, I, I'm a great patron of the PTA because they're the largest advocate group for children in the world. And at one time we had... All the schools had PTA because that gave them a connection to the national voice and that sort of thing. They certainly had one at McDowell School. Yeah, they up. did. And then we we decided we didn't want to send that money to the PTA, so we became PTOs. But at one time, and and this was years ago, at Central we had a PTSA, Parent Teacher Student Association that was extremely active and did a great deal of good. Carolyn Whitehead was there then, and we did a great deal of good with Rita that. Rita Skelly, y'all. Yeah, Rita Skelly. Y'all sold, th- they sold thousands of caramel apples to raise money. Yes, we did all kinds of things to raise money. I just did, I, I The McDowell Carnival was huge. Oh, it was a community event. Yeah. But Believe we, it or not. But we've, li- we've lost that idea that parents... Parents are just so busy, they just hadn't got time to go to the PTA. And then they'll say, what is wrong with that school system? It looks to me like somebody would do something about those teachers. And then they have a golden opportunity to go put in their two cents worth, and they just don't do it. So one of the issues that I got asked on was about the third grade retention bill. Mm -hmm. And it has a lot of people upset. Mm Mm-hmm. To me, it has the right people upset. Exactly. It's I was going to say. It's got, the, <laughs> it's got parents upset because they're now getting letters from their principal saying, by the way, your third grader is in danger of being retained in third grade because mm-hmm. they're not on reading level. And parents are saying, what? Well, here's the problem with that. Now they're being told in third grade, it's kind of looking back at, at the past, we should have had you engaged from kindergarten. Yeah. It should have been a working relationship from kindergarten. And so what we've done is we've just drawn a line in the sand. And I talked about this, and Sheila knows this. In K through 3, you learn to read. And in 4 through whatever, you read to learn. If you don't teach them how to read starting in kindergarten. Yeah, from the get-go. If you wait till third grade, great. We'll send you to summer school. We'll give you a tutor. But the chances of us getting you caught up are slim. We're focused on and all these meetings we've had with all these experts. They've all said the same thing: you got to get them in kindergarten. You, they cannot leave kindergarten unless they're ready to go. And we have a bill to address that. I'm just waiting to drop the bill. With I'm waiting for the speaker. You think it's going to pass? It'll pass. It'll I pass. certainly hope. This so. one's gaining momentum because all these hearings we're having is I'm getting more and more pressure from members who are coming to me going. We have a bill for this, don't we? I said, "Yeah, I've got the bill. I'm waiting to drop it." They go, "When are you going to drop it?" I said, "We're just we're going to get to the right we're going to get through our hearings to where it becomes overwhelming that the people of Tennessee saying, "Do not send them forward out of kindergarten unless they're on grade level." 
Start the process correctly. Don't try to remediate it after that because we're just. Well, now, Scott, don't start putting common sense in all. Anyway, Scott. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I will say this. This is a topic we sort of wore out on my show this week, Three Dudes with a View. And, you know, at the end of the day, something happens, which rarely happens. That uh, every And we've gotten a lot of positive, uh, supportive feedback as well. We all agreed that kindergarten was the place to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, liberal, conservative, whatever. Uh, and the feedback from all quarters has been positive that this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's starting them off. I mean, that's starting you off on the right foot. Mm-hmm. And some children are just not mature enough to go mm-hmm. on to the first grade. They just need to grow a little more. What's, mm-hmm. what's funny is we had, and I'll speak quickly because we run out of time, we had a presentation from Hume Fogg this week. Oh, oh a man. magnificent <sighs> scoop. I mean, they got kids. And I can remember when it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. But this Hume Fogg is a magnet school of, of education. They push these kids hard. Mm-hmm. And these kids are going to Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Oxford. They're going all over the world on full rides. Great academics. And I said, so, the principal, what is your key to success with these incoming freshmen? And they said two things. Number one, every kid has to be a, a 3.0 student or better. And they have to be either advanced or proficient on their TCAP test, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all on grade level. Yeah. And they can push them after that. Yeah. If you we, get that combination of children, that's like teaching accelerated yeah. classes. If you get those folks, you can fly with them. And that's what we got to get in our first grade, our second grade, our third grade, where the vast majority of the classroom is on grade level and the teachers can teach them what they're supposed to teach them instead of a third of the class being able to be taught and two thirds of the class (coughs) having to leave for remediation under RTI, having to have extra help, right? So now they're not getting taught anymore. They're somewhere else getting remediated. Now they're missing the lessons that they're supposed to have. Yeah, And that's also holding back the other third. And that's where the importance of this bill, I'm telling you folks, the federal government is very scared of Tennessee right now because one, we're the first state that has said we're going to stop taking the federal money and we're the first state that has the money to do it. And they know that if we do this, you're going to see it'll put pressure on Georgia, Florida, Texas, and South Dakota will be the next ones to fall that, that they'll stop taking the federal money. And we'll lead the educational revolution back to what we used to have, and it'll start right here in Tennessee. Yeah, it makes you wonder what the federal government's scared of. You notice that uh, they issued a press release this week, the uh, Department of Education, the Federal Department of Education. Uh, talking about Tennessee leaving the federal government education money behind, and it was a petulant, foot-stomping press release. <laughs> you know, not something that you normally see from a professional PR person. And you're, go- you're going, what are they scared of? Hey, Delk, historically, how does that work with Tennesseans when you speak petulantly to us? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it just, I mean, it was totally unprofessional. Doesn't end well for you. I mean, they, they supposedly have...